Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Oh, Welcome back to a pre-draft episode of the Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats. And yes, Ben, play La Bamba, the Battle of Alberta, as you can see Jeremy here in the Oilers jersey, in the Alice Hemsky jersey, which ties into the queue because he played in the queue. Uh, the Oilers did get the Battle of Alberta victory in a 4-1 series, uh, just kind of like you predicted. Uh, off camera and live uh, when we were doing the live before the uh, draft lottery there. But uh, right now, sadly as it stands, the Flames have the same amount of wins in the Western Conference Final as the Oilers. Uh, hopefully by the time you hear that, it uh, changes. <laughs> but Mr. Boucher, been a couple weeks, buddy. How are you? Good. I'm enjoying the new hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> Tim Horton's Bieber Brew. Um, I saw Tozer was enjoying one. Earlier yep. today in uh, in Halifax, so um, <clears throat> spoiler spoiler alert: when we have him on the show later on, I'll have to ask him about his uh, his opinion on it. So okay, we can share. However, I I must say it is pretty good. Um, as good as the the Bieber balls. Well, there's a difference between getting Obviously. Bieber's balls in your mouth <laughs> and compared to getting Bieber's uh, juices <laughs> yeah. in your mouth. So, yeah. Um, I will say this is a the Bieber brew is a French vanilla. Okay. Now, they have a roasted hazelnut flavor, which is far better than this one. Right. So However, the roasted hazelnut one... Isn't a beaver brew? Is not the beaver brew. It's just another cold brew flavor yeah. featured at, uh, at Timmy Ho's. Um, so if you're a French vanilla person, it's kind of it's going to be good for you. But uh, honestly, uh, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the uh, roasted hazelnut cold brew with espresso foam. I just don't drink coffee, so yeah. For all the it's coffee drinkers out there, it's it's decent. It's it, it's going to be nice on a hot summer day. Yeah. Um. It'll for me, it's going to replace the ice cap. I was never a big ice cap guy. Uh. But, so are they uh, keeping this then? I don't know if they're keeping it. I know the roasted hazelnut one is kind of a permanent menu item. Yeah. Uh. But um. We'll see. This is this is all right. I'll you know it's good for, you know, good for a warm day, but uh, not something I'll drink all the time. How was your trip to uh, Woodstock? As we were both Woodstock, on the road last week. Yeah, Woodstock was good. Yeah. Uh, it was quiet. There's a small town, not much to do. You're in a five-star hotel, though. Oh, yes, the five-star Best Western. <laughs> the windows opened. Hashtag not sponsor. The, whist, the windows opened, so it was a five-star. Yeah. Um, but uh, what did it say about the one? It was a one-star. It was a... Wi-Fi, I believe, because you couldn't watch hockey. Um, Something about the Wi-Fi. Some about, it, was, it was a one... I can't remember. It's in a, it's in a tweet here, but it's... Um, um, it was, you know, the whole experience is pretty good. Uh, it's nice to be able to, the thing that I didn't like was having literally having to eat every meal. Yeah. Um, hotel <laughs> breakfast was absolute garbage. I mean, it was, oh, really? it, it's, it tasted like recycled scrambled eggs every mm. morning and baked beans and, uh, you know, see sausage, little sausage patties and the sausage links. I mean, it, it wasn't appetizing, mm-hmm. uh, and just having to go out to eat for every meal was, was just, a you know, it was gut rut. You know, I, yeah, just, yeah. I just felt like crap ever. Because you probably didn't meal. have a kitchen in there, eh? No kitchen. And whether you eat out at every meal or you go to a grocery store and get something in microwave it, you're still no farther ahead than, you know, if you just rather, you'd rather go to a restaurant than go get something at the store and, and microwave it. Yeah, because I, I actually went to the Sobeys and, and bought like $50 worth of 
more like snacks and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I was able to expense it, which is even better. Uh, Winning. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, being able to expense $75 a day in food is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I never spent that much. I think How the many? most I spent was I did 50 bucks at Sobeys, and that was the most expensive food purchase that yeah. I made. Um, yeah, so the, the three-star hotel becomes a one-star hotel. When the TV isn't HD. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, some reason, it. It, it just wasn't an HD TV. I'm watching like the hockey game in like standard <laughs> definition. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, like first world problems here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, that was that was awful. Um, I, I could I could barely watch hockey because it was in standard definition. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, pretty good. Um, what about you? You were in Alberta. For I was your, in Alberta, uh, yeah. I was in uh, for daughter's graduation. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to go. Unlike you, I did have some home cooking, mm. which is always always a bonus when you go home. But uh, quick trip Tuesday to Friday. Uh, it's just good to be back. So proud of that kid. Uh, you know, being able to graduate, especially during COVID times and everything she had to deal with, and uh, you just start reminiscing. You look back. Thankfully, you look back on Facebook and going through mom's old pictures because she had a bunch of stuff she was trying to get rid of, and you see the little one as they grow up and remembering things as they're getting little and first day of grade one and so excited and in through high school. So it was, uh, it was good. It was good to see the family and got to go golfing for the first time this year and beat my nephew again. And there you go. Yeah. So it was, it was good. Not a fan of the Toronto airport. Me and Ryan Whitney are kind of on the same page. Uh, except did you see that? Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I didn't have a delay that long. So when I flew from Moncton to Toronto, I was supposed to land and this is, Again, first world problems. In New Brunswick, every game of the playoffs has been at 10.30 Atlantic time or 11. We had one, I think, one 9 o'clock game in the Battle of Alberta. That was it. So, Western Conference Final, I'm like, all right. I'll be in back in Alberta. I'll be able to see these games at 7, 8 o'clock. Nope. We're going to do 6 p.m. Mountain. Smack dab in the middle. So, I was supposed to arrive in Edmonton at 4.45, which would have given me time to... Uh, get my rental car, get to Red Deer, meet up with Clint, watch the game in the bar. Well, I'm delayed on the tarmac for 45 minutes in the new Air Canada Max 8 Oof. because they couldn't start it because of a sensor, so they had to get someone to come over and manually start it for them, like get permission that. So you're sitting on a hot airplane for 45 minutes, so I'm already, that's not helping me get there. It's one of the worst planes. If I could ever not take a Max 8 again, it's smaller. Max 8? Yeah, the brand, you know the one... Oh, like the Dreamliner? The, the Max 8 that like crashed over in Asia and stuff like that? Oh. A couple times? Yep. It was a sensor. If, if you watch it on Netflix, find it. Search Max 8 uh, airplane on Netflix. Really cool documentary on why, how it got pushed ahead so fast and what was wrong and what needed to be mm-hmm. fixed and why it was grounded for so long. But anyways, um, it's a smaller plane than most Air Canada's I've been on. There was only five seats in aisle instead of six, but no air conditioning. And going up, it was very turbulent until you actually got flatlined. And then coming down, as soon as they came down, everything was turbulent. And I hate turbulence. I don't, I'm not as scared to fly, but I want to get in. I want to get on the flight. I want to back up and I want to go. Mm-hmm. I want to make my connection. I want to get in. I want to back up and I want to go. Like, I don't want to sit there. So then I'm coming home. So I missed game one. Game two, I had to miss because daughter's grad parade and stuff like that in Pinoca. That's completely fine. I can pay attention to it. Coming home, I'm like, great. I'm going to be in the air for all of the game. Because I had a connection from 5 till about 8 o'clock Eastern time, which is right when the game started. Get on the horn. Well, the pilot from Charlottetown is delayed <laughs> because he's not flying and he's taking, uh, he's taking, whatchamacallit in there, 
So I'm like, great, this is this is fantastic. So I listened to the first period of that and then got in at about 1225 uh, Atlantic time Saturday night. So it's just like, I'm just excited to watch one hockey game, yep. game four. Hopefully by the time you hear this, we didn't get swept for the second time in a row finishing. But uh, yeah, no, it was just good to be back. I'm excited to, you, you like to go home, but the, oh man, the hotel I stayed at, I'm going to have to share pictures. This thing, Crystal 5 in, straight out of the 80s. <laughs> Like, the carpet was out of the 80s. It had abstract pictures above the bed. It had, like, the carpet had all these funky designs. Like, the fireplace in the room was the white tile. And then the inside edge was the bright red tile. Oh, I'll share pictures of it uh, when we hear this. But, man, it was... It was it was fantastic. Uh, what do you want to do first? Uh, the queue, or you want to talk? Uh, you want to answer some questions from our fans before we get into? <clears throat> Let's do the queue first. All right. Yeah. Uh, so we're in the finals now. It is Quebec or Schwinnigan versus uh, Charlottetown. Schwinnigan getting a fi- game five victory. Which first of all, shout out to all the Quebec fans that showed up. Fourteen thousand that were there. Um, the Quebec markets have been awesome. Whether it was Sherbrooke in the whiteout or Schwinnigan, and then Quebec. Um, Schwinnigan outlasts them in five. Charlottetown a little bit quicker than I thought against Sherbrooke. Because I think I had that one in five. You had that one in four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, we have the final. Charlottetown, Schwinnigan. Charlottetown loses both at home. Um, <clears throat> game one, 5-1. I, I would chalk that up to first time in the finals. I mean, you don't generally have a lot of players that are in the finals, but first time for the organization, for everyone, fans. Xavier Seminole wasn't playing. Maybe it was a lot of nerves. That's fine. Game two, they're right in that one. And then, well, we'll get to a couple of the questions here. But then uh, then the call heard round the world, as they say. Uh, I mean, just your thoughts on the finals so far. Uh, thoughts on the finals so far, yeah. So, uh, I think Schwinnigan, um, yes, they, I think they took advantage of Seminole being out in game one. But I also think um, they were riding an emotional high from you know not just eliminating Quebec but mm-hmm. you know being down 2-1 and then winning game 4 in OT and then winning game 5 at uh, you know in front of like 14,000 14,500 something in yeah. Quebec. So anytime you can do that double uh, the coyotes against Patrick Waugh, mm-hmm. That's huge for an organization, it's huge for a team. Um so I think they were they were jacked up. Didn't have to take the bus. They flew to Charlottetown. Yeah. Um, Charlottetown's also flying to Schwinnigan, but still. Um, not being a, not being on a bus for, for 16 hours um, definitely helps. Yep. Um, and I think it was, you know, Charlottetown just being off for those extra few days, I think, affected them. Uh, I expected Schwinnigan to win game one. Like, I, that, that was just, I, I saw that coming. <laughs> now, I expected Charlottetown to rebound in game two. Which they did. Which they did for 59 minutes <laughs> and 54 seconds. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the last minute was um, controversial, if you want to put it yep. in, a, in a good way. Yep. Um, I think we've all seen it. So before we get into that, does so when when we did yep. our prediction shows at the start of the year, mm-hmm. 
and, and I picked Schwinnigan. You gave me that, oh, look, like you were a little bit surprised. And I said they reminded me a lot of Victoriaville. Mm-hmm. They had the skill. They they were going to add pieces, which they did, not the pieces I thought they might add. They had the two goaltender system. Mm-hmm. They kind of look exactly like Victoriaville last year, who beat Charlottetown in that, rode the high off that in the bubble in Quebec, mm-hmm. and then took on a very talented Valdor team that steamrolled through everyone and had that bit of rest. Like This is setting up exactly kind of like last year did. It really is, because if you look at it, and when we made our predictions, I can't believe I didn't. this didn't clue into me. Yep. So, Schwinnigan was able to get past Quebec with the Ramparts essentially shutting down Bork and Borgo. Yep. Um, so, that just shows you that they're getting secondary scoring. Um, Something the Oilers haven't gotten. <laughs> and it's just, it's been all, it's been those two in the in the finals yeah right um so the difference here is charlton has good forwards shawini has two superstar forwards yeah that are just dominating the series which is odd to see because charlottetown has the best decor in the mm-hmm. league like you would think you know and because the oilers are in it mccarr is playing a lot against mcdavid mm-hmm. you would think cormier would play a lot against bork mm-hmm. but he, he can't go against all of like both of them if they split yeah, those up that's, right and it's those you can't to me i don't think lucas cormier is the type of defenseman that's going to shut down uh those two forwards you, you, you yeah. gotta put like a will a william trudeau and uh biaka batuka on those guys like those yeah. are guys that are going to hit you they're going to hurt you um and they're just getting the job done it's charlottetown's forwards are being kept to the outside they're not getting into the middle of the ice and showing its forwards are getting to the middle of the ice that's the difference in the series right now is that the Cataracts forwards, Bork, Borgo, Nado, Dubé, they're getting into the middle, and that's where they're getting their scoring chances and their goals mm-hmm. from. That's the turning point. That's the series right now. Is yeah. is Shawinigan's D is is stepping it up. They're it's they're almost shutting down uh, Charlottetown, and um, <laughs> Charlottetown had this game until there was a like you said, it's it's controversial. Yeah. Um, however, so we can address it via the questions if you want. Yeah, it's, we can move that into the questions, but, um, is it a controversial call? Yeah, sure. But it, it's the, it was the right call Yeah, based on the rule book. Um, (sighs) so let's, let's just go to the questions. So we asked, we asked people on Instagram some, for some questions because we, there's no Wildcats hockey. So we're going Q, we're going to have a couple guests on. Um, Jamie Tozer, Station Nation, to talk about all the fun that the Sea Dogs are having, and then uh, Pat McNeil talk about the uh, the Eagles and the number one pick. So, Justin Hadley five hundred six on Instagram. Two words: Matt Hicks. Uh, mm-hmm. Julian Robichaux. What do you think of the penalty called during the second game at one hundred six left in the third period by Hicks? Well, <sighs> it's it was the right call. Yeah, based on the rule book. Uh, and that's the thing: the is rule if you, book is. Are you trying to find the rule? I've got the rule here. Okay. Okay. A minor penalty shall be assessed for delay of game, face-off violation, to a player taking the face-off who attempts to win the face-off by batting the puck with their hand. That's exactly what he did. And now everybody that's watched hockey that went online and said they've never seen that call, it's because when they've seen it, it's the draw where the player goes to the bottom Mm -hmm. and swipes it with his hand. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever seen it pop up. Yeah. And I think if 
I think if Seminole, I believe that was the guy on the, the face-off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe if that puck gets up in the air and he knocks it maybe back, maybe or stabs at or it. stabs at it down, maybe Hicks doesn't make the call. Yeah. But the fact that he attempts to kind of gain... reached forward and it went forward with his momentum, mm-hmm. I think that's where the call was. And, I, and I'm the guy that's come on the lives after shows and talked about officiating the hit uh, from Denoyer on, on OJ from behind. You know, I was very animated. It should have been a five in a game. I'm first to admit that kind of stuff. But that call was the right call mm-hmm. at the wrong time. Now, I, I understand where Islander fans are frustrated, and I, I believe Shawinigan fans would be just as frustrated if it was the same thing. And I think the biggest thing is that it was right after the goal, and it was center ice. It's not like Simino did it in the draw in the offensive zone and or in the defensive zone to, to get an advantage to get the puck out to get the tie. Mm. But I think that the fact that it was there, it was the right call. And you don't want a, an official, you know, the, the NHL has a game management problem that everybody sees. They're trying to call the game a certain way. And, and I feel like that's where, well, that's where the official, and we all know it was Matt Hicks who called it, is in a tough position. Because if he doesn't call it because it's at center ice and it's a nothing play, and Schwinnigan goes down or Charlottetown goes down and puts a puck in the next. There's still a minute left. Well, so let's say Charlottetown goes down and scores. Then Schwinnigan's pissed because he didn't call the re- the rule mm-hmm. as it's called. And now they, they're down 3-2, right? Mm-hmm. Like the game's over. It's just – or they don't tie it or whatever. Like then it's game management that he – oh, he didn't call it because it was at center ice instead of one of the offensive zones. Like there's no easy position for him to be in. Technically, he made the right call, and mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure you and I would have the same feeling as Aiden this morning if that happened to the Wildcats in the final. Oh, for, uh, of course we right? would. I mean, <clears throat> it's there's always a sense of frustration when a when a call goes against uh, against your team that you yeah. don't they don't uh, agree with. Um, <clears throat> I didn't agree with it at start. Yeah. Um, I was like, "What the like? What in the flying fudge well, you, is 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 this call?" When you explained it to me, I thought it was where they go to drop the puck and a guy moves, and then they give him the warning, mm-hmm. kick the centerman out, and the other centerman comes in and then gets to the delay. That's yeah. the original call I had, and I thought, "That's you guys do that every game. That's bush league if you call mm-hmm. that in, in a zone." I didn't actually till I saw the replay. Yeah, I, I you're right. It, the moments, uh, the moment of the game might not have been. Um, it might not have been the right time, but it's a delay of game penalty. If the same thing would have happened, like if it was a puck over glass, mm-hmm. the puck over glass would have been called with a minute left in the game anyway. 100%. Right? It's it's delay of game. Um, Like, I'm sorry, Charlottetown, that this happened to you. Um, You know, we both picked Charlottetown, so it's, yeah. you know, we're kind of in a, you know, we, we, we want to see Charlottetown win this series, but... Um, at your, your, they're in a hole. Yeah, uh, they're in a hole, and they they absolutely need to win Game Three, uh, to to have any sort of a chance in this series. Um, uh, by the way, shout out to TSN. Uh, I I gotta go shout out TSN, who are gonna be showing game games three on, in each of the series. The yeah. Q, the OHL, and the Dub. Thank God, because that overtime with CHL TV. Yeah, let's let's just cut there. the let's cut the feed. Let's just yeah. say the game is what a, what an absolute joke that was. Well, I, uh, I heard that there was 
either the internet cut out or because the goal was scored, once the goal was scored and registered, the, the, there's a little bit of a delay. Mm-hmm. So the feed cut out because it's overtime, game's over. Yeah. Oh, it's God. like, well, I had to message you because I thought our internet was screwed. Yeah. So I was like, did you cut? And then I go see it and like <clears throat> Martin Leahy's internet's gone. And other people, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's yeah, not a good that, look. No, it wasn't a good look for the league or, or for CHL hockey. But uh, yeah, shout out TSN yeah. for... And it's actual TSN, not it's, like yeah. TSN subscribing. It's actually yeah. TSN. Oh yeah, four and five. It's uh, I, I think tonight, as uh, you know, as we're going to be talking here, game three of the OHL series is uh, Windsor Hamilton. Windsor Hamilton tied at one. Yeah. WHL series tied at one. Uh, and then here in the queue, it's uh, it's two nothing Schwinnigan. So, um, if we from an entertainment standpoint, standpoint, um, I'd love to see Hamilton and Edmonton. Uh, at the Memorial Cup, two mm-hmm. two powerhouses, uh, two teams that loaded up at at Christmas. Yep. To get to where to get to St. John, um, and same thing for either of Charlottetown or Schwinnigan. So, um, you know, if uh, if Windsor makes it over Hamilton, they've got a couple good players. If Seattle makes it over Edmonton, I think Seattle um, is. Was it not Schwinnigan St. John? Edmonton, Edmonton and Hamilton. Oh, was London? Yeah. In the final of the yeah. year so you were there? So if Shawinigan wins the President's Cup, it's basically the same as a 2012 Memorial Cup with, with the yeah. exception of London. Yeah. Huh. That's well, cool. You know, if, it's... If it's, Hamilton gets past Windsor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And and if Edmonton wins uh, yeah. the dub, right? So it's it's kind of funny how that's... Uh, how that <laughs> could be could be the case and what a nightmarish scenario that could be for St. John fans <laughs> if uh, somehow it's another semifinal between Shawinigan and St. John. Um yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, the the President Cup final so far has been has been good. Yeah. Um, God I think help Charlottetown's okay. I God mean, help Matt Hicks if he gets Game Five. I, you um, can't. You can't. You can't bring him. You can't put him back in that environment. You cannot put him back on the ice in Charlottetown. I know he made the right call, but the optics of that thing, you cannot put him back in the in that yeah. building in the final. You no, can't. You really can't. I don't. I don't think so. But I don't know how. I can't remember how many linesmen they had. I don't put a. Put a Quebec one on the flight. I don't care. Yeah. But optics wise, you cannot put Matt Hicks back in that building in the final. You just can't. I don't think so. Regular season, uh, fine. Say, but you like, can't. I mean, for his own safety, right? Yeah. Like it's. A, like I'm not. Look, I'm not. Charlottetown fans are are pretty nice. They're not gonna yeah. jump the glass and, and no, they threw garbage. That was about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and start chucking nucks with them. Yeah. It's it's not. Uh, that's not a Charlottetown thing to do, but. Man, but if this comes back tied optics wise, yeah, you can't. Between that and the whole ice situation a few years ago, he's got to be public enemy number one on the yeah. island when it comes to hockey. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, that's why he call him, calls himself Hollywood <laughs> Hicks, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, this guy is just the center of attention everywhere, he, everywhere he goes, yeah. and if that's uh. It, He's like the Brad Marchand of of linesmen, right? He's just like the rat that just yeah. gets under everybody's skin. Uh, I can't he does stand his him. Job, but I can't stand him when he's doing a Moncton game, even yeah. though he's a Mon- he's a Moncton guy. Yeah. Um. I can't stand him when he's doing a Moncton game. I can't stand him in any rink. But he he made the right call, and yeah. that's and that's that's bottom that's the bottom line because the podcast said so, right? It's yeah. uh, he made the right call. I'm sorry, yeah. Charlottetown. He made the right call. I know you're pissed off. I know you're frustrated. As you but should. Have be. you I mean, ever had a season canceled because of a pandemic? No. So shut your face holes. <laughs> well, they have had a season, but not a season like they're supposed to have. Not a championship season. Um, yeah, it's and Charlottetown should be okay. They went, I think, ten and one 
Uh, I can't remember who tweeted. I think it was Corey Arsenal. They went 10-1 in Quebec, 2-0 in the playoffs there. So, um, or 1-0. Yeah, 2-0 in the playoffs. So, 1-0. I don't know. Whatever it is. They should be okay. They got to win game three. Um, and, you know, I like Hockey Hack guy said, I praise Jim Holton, uh, Lucas Cormier, and Xavier Simino for coming out and answering the questions the only way they can answer the questions. I'd love to – it would have been good to see Holton lose it, but, you know, you can't do that, and uh, so it's good to see these uh, these guys answer the questions. All right, uh, Layla Bun, will you apply to work for the team ever? Why or why not? Question for both hosts. Look, folks, I've already worked for the Wildcats. <laughs> um, I'm actually I was actually a 50-50 seller. Um, Saint Gon, Saint Gon? Probably six or seven years ago. They were still at the Coliseum. Uh and I was uh, for the year, yeah, for the for a full season. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm probably still one of the top uh, 50-50 salespeople in the entire organization. Um, but let's be honest, um, I'll probably never work for the team again, just because of how opinionated I am. Yeah. Um, but I'll be honest, when I worked fifty-fifty, I hardly sold a damn thing. I would go sit up and watch the game <laughs> in like row twenty-five <laughs> of like the corner section. Sorry. So you wouldn't see me. I took off my little 50-50 vest and just wore a black golf shirt. You wouldn't even know I was there. Yeah. The little heart that thing was down at my feet. I watched the entire game. I might have sold only two tickets the entire game. I would just so, sell in the section that I was there. Funny. They, you say you won't work because you're too opinionated. <laughs> they would say, no, man, you set up in the top. Yeah, honestly, I did Th- thanks for the thanks for the uh, the hourly wage there for an entire season. I just I was like I had season tickets. All I did was sit up in the corner, uh, you know, section twenty five at the old Coliseum top row. Took the old took the vest off, took the hard hat off, put them down on my feet. I just looked like a regular fan. Well done though, like well done. Um, well, what do you want me to do? Actually, sell fifty fifty tickets? <laughs> well, I would imagine they probably did. Whatever, just watch a game, get paid, and doing it. Yeah, no, that's. Twelve fifty an hour. That's way easier than paying. It's like, to watch be, it's like being a scout, getting paid twelve fifty an hour to watch a hockey game. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I might apply. I mean, I think Layla's needling this question towards them looking for marketing and communication specialists because of what we do for the fans and all that. I have said many times we would love to be official. We would love to bring more players on. We would love to bring a fan connection, but. I don't know if it's in the cards. Uh, Elaine Dot Braden, who leads the Cats in points next season? Kind of talked about this. Uh, uh, I would in the say, playoffs, and I'm gonna stick with uh, stick with LaBelle. Yeah, um, I I honest to God, I think La- Loshing's gonna uh, healthy. Yeah, has a pretty big breakout year um, because I honestly I I don't think he's gonna get drafted in the NHL. Um, and I think that's just going to be motivation for him to have a big year next year. Um, so I'll say Yohan Lotion. All right. Uh, our friend Johnny Rocket. Oh, God. How many questions to, does he have? <laughs> oh, he loves his questions. He's got three. Do you think Philion will finally get the chance at number one, or do we have a Lavalet 2.0? He better get his chance. He better get his chance. Uh, I think it is his chance. Uh, I, I don't see a scenario where um, they bring in a goalie who <clears> – <throat> becomes the number one there's um because all the goalies have in their system right now probably back up at best yeah um respectfully though like that's what i mean uh, my my honest to god opinion is 
they're probably backups at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'll say Fillion will finally be number one. And uh, I, I hope he gets at least 60% of the starts. That was my, in your quick question, I don't know, a month ago. What did I want to see? I want to see Fillion given the chance. I want to see him given the chance to be number one. 68 games, I want to see him play at least 40. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's deserved it. I think he's earned it, and I think it's it's his time. We're not going for Memorial Cup next year, so it's it's a growing pains type year, not as bad as this one. I, I would assume they'll upgrade the defenseman. It's going to lead into the next question. Um, so the, the, the defense will be better. The team up front will be better. So I, I, I believe he will get his chance. I don't see it being a Lavalier. 2.0 situation. Uh, the number one addition Richie needs to add to this team uh, for this to this team this summer for you guys. Um, we can't say the player because I believe that's tampering. So I know who you're thinking, and I've actually been kind who of. Who I'm thinking? I know who you. I, okay. We kind of had an agreement yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I've also I've actually started going towards a different direction. Um, Is it a forward or defense? It's a forward. Uh, and I'm obviously not going to mention any names. Yeah. They are playing a top six role currently. So if there's only two teams left, you can kind of <laughs> narrow it down. Um, yeah. So you are obviously looking at a St. John forward. Yeah. I'm looking at a president cup playing forward at the moment on a, Maritime team. Um, <laughs> he narrows it down. <laughs> Tell me the team without telling me the team. So, and so we both have players on maritime teams we that we're do. looking forward. Okay? Um, however, I don't want to pay an arm and a leg. No, and that's that's the thing is how we're going to get this player. And I had someone on Instagram ask me about a player, and I'll show you the player. because That if- would be an arm, an arm and a leg and a testicle. <laughs> Yeah, because I and that when he when he named that player, I was like, first of all, absolutely, I would love to acquire this player. But second of all, no, they're contending. Next yeah, and year. then I and then I got thinking about. It, I'm like, so I I said, well, it's going to cost an arm and a leg. So what are you willing to give up? And he gave me a few things which aren't going to get it done. And he said, and probably more because it's this player. And I said, yeah, plus, plus, like he like. And then I said, let's literally an arm, a leg, and like literally a nut. Yeah. Like uh, it's firstborn child. Yes. Like there's literally, I'm not paying. Yeah. It would be awesome to have this player. But, and this will all maybe come out after the draft and everything's done, but maybe not because he's probably not coming to, oh, not probably not. He's not coming to Moncton. He's not. Um, And then I said, and then like a few hours later, it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, this team's nowhere near selling off. Like they're right where we are, maybe even a year ahead. So, um, yeah, I kind of thought that one was, I mean, I, I love the hope in that player, but it, uh, it's not going to happen, but yeah, those, those are the additions and, and maybe Johnny rocket will, uh, will give you some names when it, uh, when things filter out here near the end of the year and your ideal trio of twenties, uh, for the Wildcats. So I've got Hamel, LaBelle and someone not on the team yet. I, I'm actually on the same page. It's, uh, 
Hamel Labelle and player to Hamel be named, Labelle. Hashtag Hamel Labelle. The law firm of Hamel <laughs> and Labelle and, and a player to be named later. Yeah. Um, there it is. There's our hashtag. That's uh, literally that's the law firm next year is going to yeah. be Hamel Labelle and hopefully like I don't know. Yeah. It's it's there's no way it can rhyme. No. But but if it does, <laughs> look out. If it does, all right. So there, like, like that's that. your that's your thing, Richie. Find a 20 year old that rhymes that's very good and rhymes with Labelle and Hamel. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta look through a list now. I mean, it, honestly, it'd be kind of funny because that literally would be a hashtag just called the law firm. Hashtag yeah. the law firm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, that's actually a Jerry Green thing. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he used to have uh, the 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 um, it was Stuart a, Stuart and Foreman. It was that, and then there was also when the Sonyes are around, the law firm of Sonye Sonye and whoever their ringer, their other winger oh, really? was. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, that was a good one. Um, yeah, Stuart Stuart and Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I hope the price paid a, isn't a goaltender. Uh, but I hope the price that's paid is, it'd be tough because if you acquire a 20 year old at the draft or shortly after the draft, they're going to be compared to the Kalmakoff, whatever the deal that's made is going to be compared to the Kalmakoff. And if they don't have that type of season and you give up close to price for that, I think that's kind of where you get into that it's going to look not as good as, as the Kalmakoff, right? Like that, that, that trade was so perfectly timed with the player and the, the picks and the production that if he acquires a 20 year old and they don't have that kind of production and he gives up close to or more than what he did for Kalmakoff, it, it might be a bad look. Especially when well, you're trading for a 20, especially when you're trading for a 20 year old, right? I think, that one I think we got pretty good value for Kalmakoff. Oh yeah. Um, are you looking for something? I am actually looking, <laughs> going through all the 2002 born players on the QMJHL website and trying to find a Just player. Just looking for a hope. Yeah, that might ram yeah. with Bell or L yeah. or something L. Yeah, it shouldn't be hard. <laughs> but uh, do you kind of feel that way? Like if he acquires a 20 year old, I mean, it's not advantageous to acquire 20 year olds, but if you do, you want to have the production. and you want the- You want production. You also you don't want to pay a lot, right? Yeah. Like, People were complaining when we paid a third for Kalmakov. I don't think they're complaining right now. No, and that's what I mean. We, if we got like first round production yeah. out of uh, for a player that we paid a third round pick yeah. for. Um, so you need to make sure that this player is going to be able to step in and and contribute and not pay, you know, more than you know. Well, look, it, it's going to depend on the player. Would I be willing to? trade our first rounder next year for a 20 year old depends on the player yeah um i'm not touching the valdor first i'm touching, no that's I, I'm that's the only ours. untouchable but if you're paying a first next year it better be a player that's going to be here for longer than a season yeah uh it, and that's... It, it'll be it would have to be a player that's going to be 19 that can play their 19 year old season and their 20 year old season in moncton uh and that's can your player do that he would be a 20 next year. So you're probably not giving up first then for No. Okay. No. Um, mine, mine can do that. Yeah. So I'd have to, I'm pretty sure, without giving it away. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it'd be a 20-year-old next year. And um, so I'm not paying more than more than a third. So. Some bitch didn't even show me. Well, you're gonna tell me off. Uh, I will off tell air. you off air. That's fine. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our. Uh, you know what? Let's talk some other teams because this has been fun. Let's get to our review from the other bench.
view from the other bench. All right, so the first view from the other bench. Uh, we haven't had him on since... Uh, no, it wasn't preseason. It was the it was Christmas trade period time. All right, phew. I thought it was only the draft. So, uh, host of Station Nation. Uh, he's I. Where in the world is Jamie Tozer? That's basically the song that we should start getting on this. Um, he was in Charlottetown last night, so we'll get his opinion there. We're joined by host Station Nation, Jamie Tozer. Jamie, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, better than Islanders fans today. Yeah, maybe. True. Yeah, I guess you want to put it that way. <laughs> So how uh, you were in the building? Let's uh, let's just kick off. Let's let's start there first. Uh, that game last night. Um, just how was it to, uh, from kind of start to finish, and then obviously the finish that everyone's talking about. Yeah, like atmosphere is nuts. So that was awesome. Uh, great to see uh, a real meaningful game again with a full house like that. It's awesome. Uh, great to see uh, all our Charlottetown fans who have been through uh, more downs and ups over the years really get rewarded with uh, with a final finally. Uh, but boy, like uh, really great game. Um, I thought Charlottetown just just can't uh, create enough scoring chances. Uh, really struggling to get a lot of dangerous chances going. Um, and they're struggling to really uh, hold that showing a top line off the board. Um, even though I thought they did a decent job at limiting chances, but like you pretty much got to limit them to zero chances in order to keep them off the board. Um, and showing his power play is just incredible to watch. Um, that's got to be a, reaching historic levels. If, the, if they can maintain this uh, throughout the series. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously <laughs> an unfortunate way uh, for that game to end. Um, my thoughts are, I think it was the correct call, but I wish they hadn't have called it. I would have much preferred to see that game end um, at even strength. And I think even if um, that call wasn't made, I think Schwinnigan still had a decent chance of winning that game with uh, Lavalley on the bench, given how they play with a, an extra attacker. So we kind of touched on this earlier, and we're both kind of in agreement. It was the correct call. It's called the way it was supposed to, just not a lot of people see it. Did you guys get any view? Like, did, was there any kind of explanation inside the rink? And I guess the other question is, if he doesn't make that call and goes the judgment of, oh, it's in the it's in the neutral zone, it doesn't matter, whatever, I, I didn't see it, or whatever, is, is the outrage there for Schwinnigan uh, like it was for Charlottetown? Yeah, and, like, in the building, um, like, I, I actually didn't even know what had happened in the building. I actually thought it must have got knocked down with a high stick or something, and it looked like, I thought the argument on the ice was um, seeing where the faceoff was going to be, uh, whether it was going to be in the neutral zone or in the an offensive zone. Um, but then, obviously, it turned quickly to um, that it was going to be a showing a power play. Um, and they showed the replay in the building. And, I mean, people were kind of a little confused because, I mean, it's obviously a really unusual sequence. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think people in the building, I don't think, I think they understood the call. But it's, you know, just one of those things like, really, like, we're actually going to call that penalty at this point in a league final game. Like, really? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the way I was, I was thinking about it today, like if that play had happened and there are no officials in the building, like would anybody have even like thought twice about that play? Like would it, like would people on like would the Shawinigan bench have been calling for a penalty there? Like I don't even know. Yeah, no, it's true because I mean, you looked at Xavier Seminole had an interview today um, with uh, 
with a reporter in Charlottetown. It was our French interview, and, and he says, you know, of all the years he's been playing hockey, that's the first time he's ever seen this this penalty called. Uh, yeah. the way the way it was called. Yeah. So <clears throat> for me, if I'm if I'm sitting on the bench and I've I've been playing hockey for my entire life and I'm a Schwinnigan player, I don't even know about that penalty call. Yeah. Right? It's just yeah. it was one of those things where you just like I thought I was the same thing as you, Jamie. I thought maybe it was a high stick or something, but then you hear uh <clears throat> Corey Arsenal and, and George Matthews just talk about the penalty and how embarrassing this is for the league. I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. it was, you're right. It was just such the, the, it was the right call based on the rule book, but the wrong time. Uh, but like I told Adam, I said, it's considered delay of game, right? So if it would have been a puck yeah. over the glass with a minute left, they're not going to wave that call off. They're going to call it. Yeah. Right. So it, it's, if it was a hook or a hold or a trip, maybe they hold off on it, but I think it's the whole delay of game aspect that, kind of um made it made, hicks had to make the call um yep. i gotta ask you something about um if you're looking at the other series right now and the whl and the ohl and here are you having flashbacks to 2012 <laughs> uh, because <laughs> we kind of figured this out a little earlier if if i mean you gotta look if edmonton wins the dub and schwinnigan wins the q it's basically 2012 all over again with the exception of the london yeah. knights <laughs> and uh i kind of made a joke about adam like what would be going through your mind right now if you see schwinnigan against st john in a semifinal? <laughs> oh like i i would I, I would honestly love it and i mean i've written about this i've been writing about this for 10 years now like we were we were robbed of a st john and schwinnigan playoff series in 2012 mm-hmm. um that would have been unreal I, I i say it would have been unreal but i feel like so many players would have gotten injured like i feel like um the Memorial Cup might have been not as good, um, but uh, yeah, I mean it'd be awesome. I mean that's that's such a good like ri- a weird rivalry between St. John and Schwinnigan, but such a good rivalry. Uh, oh, I I love it, and I think it'd be good for um, the city too because Schwinnigan fans travel so much. Um, I'm sure there'd be a lot of fans in St. John. Yeah, I think if you get your semifinal, at least you get it at home, right? That's your yeah. That's the that's the saving grace, or I guess the the flip side of this is you you get it at home. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we're not just going to talk about Schwinnigan and St. John and their Schwinnigan and Charlottetown and whatnot. I mean, let's start with the coaching change. Um, Gardner McDougall brought in a uh, wealth of experience in these tournament-type uh, atmospheres, but not so much the the firing after round one, but were you surprised by the timing? Like, if, if Georgie's going to make the move, why wasn't it made 48 hours, 72 hours after the loss to to Ramuski, like why why the month was there a cooling off period to not be a knee jerk or, or what is your feeling on that? Yeah, I'm I'm sure they just didn't want to do any you know like an emotional firing just given the way things ended, um, and I'm sure they just wanted to take a little breather and come into it with a, a fresh mind and and not do something they'd regret down the line. Um, but I, you know, I was a little surprised it took them that long. I thought maybe, you know, five days after they'd start to look if they were going to make a change, they'd probably be a little, maybe a couple of days earlier than that. Um, but I mean, boy, what a what a turn of events! Like the way I, the way I kind of see it is um, the way they've kind of set themselves up after the trade deadline. They don't want to have any doubts um, come July. I don't think they want to win or lose at the Memorial Cup. I don't think they want to going to July saying, I wish we had done that. I wish we had done this. I wish we had tried that. I think 
if there's any doubts with anything, they're going to deal with them now. So I think there just had to have been some some doubts that Gordy Dwyer was the guy to carry this team in the Memorial Cup, and they made the move to address it. Personally, I think uh, I I don't I, I I'm a big Gordy Dwyer fan. So for me, that was for me it was a big shock. Uh, I didn't I didn't see it coming uh, at all. I didn't think it was a uh, a coaching. Uh, I don't think it was coaching that uh, that caused the elimination in, in round one. I thought it was more of a you know performance. Uh, but I guess it's you know the coaches us be the one to whip these kids on the ice, right? Um, have you been following the other? Uh, I guess the uh, WHL and the OHL, and uh, just I guess your overall, uh, if you have your overall thoughts on the on those series so far. Yeah, like Edmonton's loaded, and I've, I'm a little surprised they're having as much trouble with Seattle um, in the first couple of games. But I, I mean, I guess maybe that kind of comes back to. Um, the way we're kind of looking at the Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning series where um, the Rangers seem to be just riding that, that big series win and the, uh, the Lightning had that long layoff. It's kind of similar to the what Edmonton's going through with the long layoff and Seattle's obviously coming off the seven-game series win. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if the Oil Kings look a little bit better as this series goes, series goes on because uh, um, they obviously have certainly more star power than Seattle. Um Similar in the OHL too. I'm a little surprised that Hamilton's been been given kind of a rough ride with with Windsor, and uh, um, I I thought Hamilton was going to win the OHL fairly easily, but um, it looks like Windsor's going to give him a bit of a challenge here. I don't know what I was going to say. Sorry, I, I was I'm actually watching that game right now. As I got caught, I got caught a little off guard. Um, He's speechless from your take. Wow, Jesus! I don't even know where I was going. to I had a question all lined up, and uh, all of a sudden I started, I'm watching this game, and it just uh, right over my head. Uh, where was, I have no idea where I was going to go with that. All right. Well, are you going to be amateur hour here? Are you uh, are you going to be doing any pre scouting? Are you going to be in I guess Windsor or Hamilton or Seattle or Edmonton or what? <laughs> I'm not going to be at any games, but I have seen, I think I've seen all the teams except Seattle. I didn't, I didn't see Seattle play this year. Um, well, why not? But true. There's an <laughs> error on my fault. Error on my, uh, on my part. <laughs> I, okay. Now we know where I was going to go with it. Okay. There it is. I was going to okay, say, um, I guess from, I guess this, in the WHL, at the scheduling standpoint, it's just a, it's a two, two, three. So I think like games yeah, five, classic. six, and seven are in uh, are in Edmonton. So yeah, and game yeah, six, I mean, Seattle's designated home team. Oh, is that how it is? Eh? Yeah. Okay. Well, you've got to give an advantage to the Oil Kings yeah. right there, right? It's, yeah. I mean, if you've yep. got three games, uh, you know the the three most important games in the series, you know, on home ice, despite not being a fair home. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah. you're not going to have uh, you know. 6,000 Thunderbirds fans making a trip to Edmonton. Uh, that's going to be a huge advantage for, for the Oil Kings. And I mean, if Seattle somehow makes it out of that series, I'll be, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Like it's um, yeah. I think Edmonton right now with no offense to St. John, I think they're kind of the team to beat um, if you, if you want to put it that way, but they've got to get out of this series. And if they don't, I think it's, I think it's wide open. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I think, I think Edmonton's the team to beat. Um, but, uh, like the, the WHL's problems at the Memorial cup for the yeah. past five or seven years is just like, it's, it's to the point where it's just like insane. Um, like it makes no sense. So that's my only concern about Edmonton is if for, for whatever reason, uh, 
they can't get out of this this funk that the WHL seems to be in. There's even a Twitter account about that. But has it, <laughs> has, has the WHL won? Yeah, has the WHL won at the Memorial Cup? Yeah. And it was like I don't know. They haven't tweeted out. They haven't obviously haven't tweeted in a while. But uh, I remember so seeing five that years. One. I think something yeah. like that. Oh, it's wild. I think that streak will end this year if it's Edmonton. But uh, you would hope that's so. That's very yeah, honestly very very weird because I mean the Q used to be called the weak sister, right? We were always like the weaker teams and yeah. stuff like that. And now you just you have a w, the WHL hasn't won games in how many years? Four or five, I think. Crazy. Yeah, and they get and I, someone. I won't say who who it was, but someone made a really snarky comment on Twitter after the night after uh, Saint John got eliminated from the playoffs, saying that Saint John won't win a game at the Memorial Cup other than the WHL meeting, which is an automatic W. Oh, so you've got that tweet saved, do you? <laughs> yeah, you got you yeah. got that one bookmarked. Um, uh, I obviously you're traveling all over, so I you know, and I don't think practices are being open to media there but um like what have you gauged in the city from fans just in terms of a the memorial cups about 10 days away um and the, the coaching change like is this like if this doesn't happen for st john is is georgie done well i think um like kind it, of was, the last it was pretty quiet the week after um st john got eliminated and i think the coaching change kind of got a lot of attention obviously and i think given that they named gardner the head coach that obviously created a lot of attention as well um but uh, obviously like the buzz in the city's not what it could be if st john was in the final right now um uh, but you're starting to see a lot of stuff around the city um it's a giant new uh, new mural across the street from the arena that's up now uh, we got a new ball hockey court and that's next to the uh to the arena parking lot, that's going to be a permanent structure that's going to be here for, uh, after the tournament. That's a here forever. Um, oh, and then cool. this new uh, container village on the waterfront. Um, that's not technically part of the Memorial Cup, but a lot of the Memorial Cup events are going to be there. Um, that's going to be really cool. Um, but yeah, like just the, the overall, like the aftermath heading the off season is going to be interesting. Um, I think there's a lot riding on the success of this team at this tournament. I think. Um, you know, if they go 0-3, I think that's going to be a problem. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure um, on everyone to, to win here. Um, will Georgie be done? I don't know. I'd be surprised, but uh, you never know. Because it kind of feels like this was his last. Got all the players, got the event, got the coach he finally wanted in the regular season, and now, you know, as Moncton stated during the Quebec the Quebec game, uh, you know, this is the most important tournament of the year. It's the second most important tournament of the year. So they went and got the guy that has the most success. Like it, it kind of almost felt like a, it's either, it's either Dwyer or me. So I'm going to fire Dwyer and hire this guy. And hopefully this works out for me. Do, do you get that sense? Yeah, I do. And I, I don't disagree with you at all. And I think it's, it's a big swing, right? Like it's uh, like, I think they're, I think, Again, like they kind of mentioned, like I think there was just some concern that Dwyer wasn't the right guy, and I don't think they want to have any doubts. Um, and so I think if if there was someone available who they felt would be a better fit for this group, um, they would do it. I think they felt Gardner would be a better fit for this group heading into the tournament, so they did it. Um, but yeah, like uh, I guess my only thought on kind of the Georgia era is I think that I think there obviously have been some missteps, and you know. 
I'd be curious to hear his thoughts on some of those mistakes, whether it be, um, you know, the goaltending um, cycle or the, the head coaching carousel. And I'd be curious to hear what he wants to do to ensure those um, issues don't happen moving forward. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the big, that would be the big thing for me is how, how would he improve upon um, um, this cycle if he had to do it again? So I'd be, I'd be curious to hear those answers. And I think that's going to kind of um, what plays a role in whether he sticks around or not. I guess if you want to look ahead to next, uh, next season, I know we're here to talk about Memorial cup, but I mean, this will be what, like the sixth coach for St. John in the past, like four or five seasons. Once, uh, once Gardner's done, like what type of, what type of coach should this team get going forward? I mean, should this be a young guy that's going to, fo- you know, be around for the rebuild, or should they get some guy, maybe bring someone in with, uh, with more experience? Or is Gardner the guy? Can they do enough to pull him out of UND? Uh, I don't think so. Well, I am just, you know, is that an option that they can do enough and, you know, enough chips as they say to to pull him out of UNB? Yeah, I. You know, I've I've watched UMB hockey for a long time, and I covered the team for a year when I was uh, working for the Brunswickian. Um, I'd be shocked if Gardner um, ever leaves UMB. I'm honestly still like shocked that he's with the Sea Dogs. Like, I still <laughs> can't like wrap my head around the fact that he's wearing Santa Fe's blue and white. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I definitely don't think Gardner will be around here um, next season. Um, right. You know, the type of coach is, is interesting. Like I, I hate to give you a bad answer, but like I honestly don't know. Like I, I feel like they tried the, the young, inexperienced guy that can kind of come up through the ranks and, and Dixon, and it did, obviously didn't work out. Um, I think you know they kind of brought in more experienced guy in Greg Gilbert, and that didn't really work out. Um, they went in house and. You know, went with Jeff Cowan for a while, and that didn't really work out. Um, you know, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I, I'll be really curious to see um, what type of coach to bring. What, what do you think, Jeremy? Oh, I think it's got to be a young guy, right? It's like it's it's going to yeah. be a, a an all out rebuild. Uh, there's you know, they're still going to have some pieces to trade next season, but I mean, you got to think it's it, it, they can't go out and get. Um, you know, if it's experience, yeah, sure, experience is great, but you also don't want to bring in the wrong the wrong fit because you don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. And you know, coaching change, coaching change, coaching change. Like I looked at it, I, we like to make jokes about St. John getting a lot of coaches, but man, Moncton almost had the same number. I mean, you look at it, yeah. you had Rumble, and then who took over for Rumble interim on a basis? Josh Heptich. Josh Heptich. Josh Heptich was then hot. It was then Torchetti. Torchetti was canned. Daryl Boyce, Boyce, yeah. Daryl Boyce took over, and then and then Lacroix. Right, we've had five in f- four seasons since I've been here. We've had five coaches yeah. in four seasons, and now five directors of business operations yeah. in five <laughs> seasons. Like it's 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 people like to make a joke about St. John having so many coaches, but man, like we're right on par. Yeah, right, and it's uh, yeah. it, it's. But you can see the direction with Lacroix now that it mm-hmm. kind of oh, seems yeah. like. Lacroix, but it looks pretty. He looks like he's he's committed to his contract, which yeah. is which is nice. But I mean, it's St. John. Like, it's if you can bring in someone, uh, someone young, uh, someone that knows the organization. Like, anytime you can, you can build. You kind of go around around the horn or around the world, if you want to put it that way. Like, from player to coach. Like, we have Heptich, that was player to coach. Uh, you look at Cape Breton; they've got Colligan, who's player to coach. Uh, I think that's how you 
you have to bring someone in that knows the organization. So, I mean, I don't know. Is there an old sea dog out there that's coaching right now? For all well, I know, like it's before you answer that, Jamie. I got two names that I want to throw at you guys of guys that are rumored and and out there. The charm, yeah, or the guy that is staying in in uh, in Ontario and we're watching his former team right now play, and that's Rocky Thompson. He was hired. He he can't be here for stab reasons. But uh, <laughs> you know, is that uh, are those a couple names that you know if if they have success with uh, Gardner and and Rocky Thompson, is that a guy that stays on board as a as a full time coach if if things change? Yeah, Thompson's an interesting one to me, but I think I think for him, for me, like I, I just don't know if he'd want to come back and you know start at a bottom at the bottom of a rebuild with the team again. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's pretty, I think he was an associate coach in the NHL um, so, his yeah. last gig, so I don't know if he'll want to come back and um, start at the very bottom. But I don't know, like uh, like like you were mentioning, Jeremy. I mean, maybe this the cycle of coaches. Maybe this is just gonna kind of become the norm. Um, and I know at the press conference for Gardner, um, Trevor brought up, you know, Halifax has had quite a few coaches recently. Schwenigan's had quite a few coaches recently. Um, and maybe this is just kind of how things are going to go moving forward. It's the old, what have you done for me lately? But uh, we don't want to take up too much. And I just realized the 10 days of the Memorial Cup is probably the longest you're going to be in one city watching sports in quite a while, eh? It's it's a rare occurrence, and I, I won't I won't even and I'm not even staying in St. John for a lot of it, so I'll be uh, commuting back and forth, staying on brand. That's uh, that's exactly staying on brand. Uh, so we're gonna let you go. We're gonna bring in uh, good old buddy Pat McNeil. Do you have any advice being a lottery winner? Uh, you know, I'm a fan of the Oilers. Big lottery wins. I may have some advice. Do you have any advice for for Pat going into the lottery or going into the draft, being a lottery winner? Uh. I would say uh, do your homework because, uh, you know, even though the number one guy is going to be obvious, you know, you got to create hype. You got to create lots of hype yeah. uh, heading into the draft. So you got to create some interest. So just get some, some in-house rumors going that you might not draft uh, the best player available and stuff like that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks, Jamie. We appreciate uh, having some time, and we'll get you back uh, between the Memorial Cup and, uh, and the draft. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, and so from one lottery winner to another lottery winner, this time we bring in friend of the show from the Cape Breton Eagles, owning the number one pick in the 2022 QMJHL draft, Pat McNeil. Pat, how are you tonight? Doing well, doing better in Cape Breton, winning that lottery, getting the number <laughs> one pick. We didn't have that luck last year, yeah. so back in the win column in the offseason at, at least, so it gives us uh, something to be excited about. Yes, guess uh, we can't complain too much. We're undefeated in terms of all things related to the 2022-2023 season. Well, yeah, absolutely. And we were able to nail down Jamie. We found him. We, we tracked him down. We tracked you down, apparently. You're either at a pub watching soccer or playing rugby. So it's it's good to catch both of you and actually get time to, to have a chat with you guys. Well, one clarification there, Australian football, not rugby. That's bad, kind of the end of our existence. I, <laughs> a couple of anecdotes, since I know you guys like the tangents there. I, I was actually in Ottawa in early May to play in an Australian football tournament of some sort, and there was about 70 of us in this event, and we had a restaurant reserved for around 7 p.m., and we got there, and we had to sit outside because 
some rugby players had come in and they said who they were. And I guess the person that took the reservation was like, Oh, that must be those football people. Yeah. They can have the downstairs room. So we, we ended up going to another bar where we saw the Leafs get eliminated by Tampa Bay. And then we eventually went back to the, to the other place and went uh, downstairs and, and the lovely facility that it was. But as for Jamie, Funny you mentioned, I, I have seen him in St. John at Sea Dogs games, despite the fact he seems to be everywhere else. But yeah. the last the last road trip of the season, uh, I was uh, getting ready for, for that night's game, and I get a knock on the door, and uh, Kean Bell is, is knocking on my door, of course, plays for the Eagles. I was like, oh, okay, Kean, what are you here for? He's like, oh, sorry, I thought uh, this was Sarah's room. Sarah's the athletic therapist. So I was like, oh, no, I, I think she's in this hallway, though. And I'm literally in the hallway for about 15 seconds, and <laughs> – Jamie Tozer just walks right by in the hallway. Like, I just cannot run into you. So the, the guy's everywhere. He's the envy of all of us with his rock star life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look, when when uh, when Adam told me you were coming back on the show, my first thought was, oh, no, not this guy again. Uh, Fair. <laughs> what's, uh, I, I, yeah, what, what are you playing anyways? Are you, are you doing rugby or what sport is it that you're playing? Australian rules football. So it is actually Australian football is the name of the sport. So oh, okay. It's. It looks like rugby on the surface level, but the two are actually really different. If you want to watch Australian football, TSN actually has the rights to the AFL in Canada. The AFL is the Australian Football League. And I think another thing that probably creates the parallel with rugby is that both rugby and Australian football are very popular in Australia. It tends to be what city you're in is much more popular. For example, uh, Sydney and Adelaide, or sorry, Sydney would be traditionally a rugby city although there is a aussie football support there whereas melbourne is traditionally an aussie football city as well as adelaide and perth brisbane is more of a rugby city so yeah you can watch the afl obviously the games take place overnight so usually tsn will show i think one live game a week and then they'll show a game in the afternoon so if you're ever flipping through and uh, you see the afl on it just you know not to sidetrack to talk about myself or anything but just to give a little bit of a background on it it's uh you play in a big oval. There's four posts at the end. You try to kick through the middle two posts. You get six points. You kick through one of the middle posts and one of the side posts. You get one. There's a lot more rules to it than that, but uh, your podcast not long enough for me to describe them all. But uh, I, I encourage everybody to look up Australian football, and we'd love to get people playing in New Brunswick. If anybody is interested <laughs> in playing, hit me up. Send me a DM. Yeah, I don't know much about the sport, but I, I do know that there's a position in rugby called a hooker. Uh, now, would that be? is there a hooker in Australian rules football? I'll be completely honest in that I don't have all the position names memorized, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure not because in Australian so football, there's actually the 18 players on the field at a time for both teams. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot going on, but no hookers. Okay, uh, so, yes. Unless I'm really mis- misremembering and that's uh, not a position in uh, Australian football. Okay. So you heard it here for uh, here folks. Pat McNeil is not a hooker, <laughs> uh, but uh, getting back to the hockey conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'm yes. glad that you led up to that joke. <laughs> anyway, continue on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, congratulations on uh, you know the holders of the of the uh, the first overall pick. Uh, I I hope we don't see a shocking trade uh, like like we did uh, last year. Um, what's uh, if you were to look go through the roster here, Pat? What um, th- to me, there's no. This is my opinion. Uh, somebody you know, other people will have different opinions, but to me, there's no consensus. Number one, um, what is a the biggest organizational need right now? Okay, Brad. Well, it's interesting you phrased the question like that because 
we, you know, we come in, we try to be optimistic about the future, but the reality is if you had the best odds going into the lottery, it's because you were a last place team and there's probably a lot you need. And Erwin Simon himself even said that in an interview I did with him. Is he said, I've been told that the top three ranked players are forward D and a goaltender, and we need yeah. all those things. Now, obviously the Eagles do have two good goaltenders, but you know, they're going to age out at some point. So, you know, that uh, they'll obviously be goaltender taken at some point in the draft, but it's hard to gauge where uh, the team is looking in terms of the top selection, because like you said, Jeremy, it's not really a consensus thing. And I don't, uh, if you're a young team that has some good pieces in place, but if you finish last, you probably have needs at all position and if you look at it the eagles do have some good young talent but it's all spread out too so i think there's pretty much uh, equal need everywhere which i guess maybe opens up even more possibilities for the draft because there's probably not uh, a bias to lean in any particular direction so i mean obviously you know jeremy talked about a not a shocking trade and and last year you guys made the trade didn't take pedal and and made the trade beforehand is there a chance albeit small, that Kate Breton moves back, uh, you know, maybe to four or five and have the ability to have two picks in the top five to maybe add two of those positions and maybe hope one of those top three guys maybe falls. Do you do you see them doing something like that or are they just, you feel they're going to stick at one and, and take one player? Because if you need two or three positions, the ability to move back to four or five with Baycomo, um, you know, do, is, is, what are these odds, I guess, of that, if there are any? Well, as of right now, the team does hold St. John's picking the first round. Also, yep. there everybody knows there's probably more to the big Trenholm trade. I'm not privy to the particulars of that, so who knows Liar. what picks are going back? You'd assume if if yeah. any if there's any conditions of that, it's probably pick related. But that uh, wall come out in the wash soon enough, so that pick is potentially in play if if that is in fact still something that belongs to the Eagles. So there is that. But even if uh, the Eagles hold on to that pick, you. You know, having three picks in the first round would certainly not be a bad scenario. I get the impression, just kind of a feeling. I haven't been in any hockey ops uh, conversations, but it feels like uh, a lean towards picking the number one, uh, keeping the number one pick. Sorry, but uh, I don't think that's written in stone. I, you know, as, as much as people will talk about what happened last year, it shouldn't be written in stone. You know, somebody might come to you with a with an offer that knocks off your socks. Right. And, and especially again, if I, those types of trades are more likely to happen in years where there's less consensus, I mean, you know, if Nathan McKinnon was in this draft and was willing to come to Cape Breton and, you know, obviously you're going to pick him number one. And, and Sidney Crosby says, yeah, I would love to play for the Eagles. Obviously you're going to pick him number one, but if there's not that number one consensus pick, then yeah, by all means, uh, you should be mapping things out and uh, determining what the best course is. So I, I feel like the team will pick uh, number one, but, that's as much of a gut feeling as anything else. So it'll be up to the, the new GM to, to make that decision. Yeah. And for me, like it's, uh, I think it would be trading number one, but would organizationally would be smart. Uh, if they can get, uh, you know, a good uh, two positions rather than just the one, I think it's smart, but yeah. it, I, I think that is a 10th or 11th pick right now. The St. John, is it the St. John pick? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that one's in play. Pardon me, no, Halifax. It was, Halifax, a, trade from, it was a yeah, trade with St. John, but Halifax is big. Yeah, so I think that one's in play. Uh, you know, Kate Brighton's going to want to take a step forward. Uh, and for me, I think that if they can get their hands on a, on a, on a decent, uh, we talked about it earlier, uh, same thing with Moncton, a decent 19-year-old who can play next season and the season after that, uh, I think that's a, that's a pick where I'd be willing to move uh, to, to make that happen. So I, yeah, no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say, like, if it's, I'm not. I wouldn't trade the first pick. 
Uh, but that you know that later pick in the first round, that's when I'd be willing to to move if I the was only, a GM. And the only reason I move that first one is to get four and five. If you can get both of those and get two of the top five players in the draft when you need a goaltender defense and needing a goaltender, you have two good ones. So that if you can get four or five and get a forward and a, a top five forward and a top five defenseman, I think that would be advantageous to move that first overall pick if you chose to. That's why I wouldn't move that first pick for anything less than at least Baycomo's four and five. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of excitement when you pick number one as well. So that's yeah. something the team will factor in. You're not going to just give that up. No. And it's, it'll be interesting too, like you said, with the goaltender, because you have two 18-year-olds, so you're at the cycle where you're going to want to have somebody in the pipeline, but it might end up being a goalie you pick a little bit later that goes back to U18. So that'll be a, that might not be a situation that plays out in the early rounds. So it'll be a story to watch. And that's actually what's interesting about junior hockey in terms of goaltending. You, you pretty much need to pick your next goaltender like every two years in the draft yeah. just because of how the, how the cycle works. But it's uh, certainly lots of uh, possibilities in play, and it'll be interesting to see how things uh, shake down. And, you know, the QQ draft is always exciting. We're not that back to in-person yet, but it'll still be fun to follow all the all the drafting and the trades. Don't get me started on virtual drafts, man. <laughs> no, please don't. Uh, well, I don't actually, need I was, was going to say, uh, sorry to cut you off there, but something else uh, worth talking about, there was actually a fan form of sorts that happened at Center 200 uh, trying to remember i think it was last week and gerard shaw kind of laid out the the blueprint so to speak was next year we get back in the playoffs the year after we should have a a, a pretty good team and then the year after would be the the trying to contend so kind of painting the picture of really taking a run at it with the 05 group which right now would be headlined by emil perron the back end you have cam squires and Mathis will let up front and then coming up the pipeline, Luke Patterson, who you guys know very well. And uh, Xavier Dague, you may not know as well. Uh, he was a leading scorer among defensemen in Quebec, U18. So that's kind of the, the big five of the uh, 2005 group that the team would be aiming to win with, it looks like at the moment. Yeah, of course. And you throw in your first overall pick and then you know any additional picks that you have. I mean, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good start. Um, Non hockey, uh, non hockey question here. Are you gonna you gonna get a hockey question before you start yeah. joking around yeah. here? Okay. I was just gonna read into that read into that statement. So does that? Did we stop joking around at any point? Yeah. <laughs> does, reading into the the between the lines there uh, of the O five group in three years contending, is there a sense you think it's Gabriel Dag, the number one over uh, overall rated goaltender that could be in play at number one, a la? Like Marc Andre Fleury, that was your your number one pick and and had great success there. Well, to, to be fair, Fleury was a first round pick, but he was not picked number one. Actually, Kevin Mandelisa is the highest uh, goaltender the Eagles have ever picked. But I got it, my know, I got my gold and yellow mixed up, play, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see. We we don't know what direction uh, things are going to go, and I, I obviously the fact there's no GM in place at the moment is is a part of that too, but. The scouts have been pretty tight-lipped from what I can tell, and you know it's possible a lot of these guys haven't made their decisions. Who knows? Right, They're going to yeah. be re-watching video over and over and over again. So uh, I, as, as much of a mystery to me as anybody else, which will, I guess, make things even more fun to see how things will go uh, come draft day. Right, I just tried to read in the read in the lines there. So hey, yeah. hey, you, you have to ask. Your yeah. journalistic integrity is well, on the and, line. And, and Tozer said uh, we asked for advice on the number one pick in the draft and because you know they've had success. He said start those internal rumors of – Maybe the guy not everyone's thinking and, and get some rumors going. So that's, okay, okay. that's well, what I'm leading you towards, you right? Start just all you gotta do, Pat, is create a like uh get all the internal 
recordings or conversations and just start a burner account on Twitter. Right? <laughs> Everybody loves a burner well, account. Well, as a Sixers fan, I can tell you that didn't really work out for Colangelo, so I don't know if that's a good idea. So, yeah, to uh, the joke around question before we let you go, um, we know you're a big music guy. You love to put together the playlist for the draft. What's your uh, – What's going to be your if we this was an in person draft? But what's going to what would be your first overall pick? Uh, walk uh, walking the aisle song. For, uh, oh, that is a fantastic question, and I almost feel like because there's been a couple of years, you could really you could really pick anything from the last few years that would kind of pop. I'm not as up on current music as I'd like to be. And I hear the song a lot at Eagles games. So the kind of the novelty of hearing it in a hockey setting is, Oh, I don't know why, but Dua Lipa's levitating. Wouldn't be yes. bad. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. I feel like that would be good. Uh, yeah. I'll have to think on that, but that's the first one that's coming to my head. Because you want it to be something recent. Like to me, and I'm probably the only person on planet earth that thinks this, but I will never not think of Alexi Lafreniere when I hear 24 Karat Magic because yeah. I can just see him walking down the, the aisle to that song when he was picked number one. So, you know, it's it's important. You want the uh, you want a good walk-up song, and I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I referenced this earlier this year, but in uh, the 10 questions I did with Jeremy Langlois, one of the questions I asked him was if he remembered what his uh, walk-up song was, and he actually did. So uh, there you go. You know, it's, uh, it's important to these players. Yeah. Do you have one? Oh, for me, it would have to be like a, a a walk-up song. Oh man! I mean, for the first overall pick, it's probably too too young for the player. But why wouldn't you be the one by the Backstreet Boys? So, <laughs> wow. Okay, interesting. I'll be the one, right? Yeah, that, it's it's it makes sense. It's a good one, but I'm if you want to throw it back, because you know my my eligibility was uh was a few years ago. A few, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was you know not necessarily 2001, but down with Webster. They've had a lot of like some good, yeah. some good uh, pump up, some good. Uh, um, I can't think of the name of the song, but um, but yeah, uh, I, your man, perhaps. Oh, is it? That? I can't. I can't exactly. I, I wish I knew the name of it right now, but it's it's. it's, I, it's, it's I saw of, down with Webster open for Snoop Dogg at the Fiddle in Sydney. If you can believe that. <laughs> oh, I I gotta go through my uh, my music now because there's definitely a, a down with Webster song that I would. Uh, uh, oh my God! What's the name of it? Your and man. It was a concert which Snoop. Whoa, whoa, was me. Whoa, was me. That's the one. Really? Yes. For being picked number one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, that's that's an interesting uh, yeah, irony at, uh, at the highest level. <laughs> not an not an easy choice for whichever. I, I don't even know. Is it the player that picks it, or is it? Well, well the... cause it, I mean, because you're wearing a suit, right? Whoa, was yeah, me. I'm true. so whoa, steamy decked out from my head to my toe. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, wearing, you're wearing true, a suit, true. right? Yeah, I feel like a Hollywood star, handful of bills, all black cars, rock guitar, and ten shots of whiskey. Got the chain on my neck and a massive hickey, right? <laughs> wow. Well, so you know what? Hickey. I don't know if that means that one of the I've been a big deal since big wheels. Aisle, like or something. <laughs> well, I, I, that's your that's your job, Pat. Try and get that song is the Eagles' number one yeah. number one pick I, song. Yeah, I don't know how that worked. I think last year they just did some like electronic music from yeah. the studio. I know I think it was Benoit Belanger messaged me on Twitter the remember the last time there was an in person draft that he was doing it. Yeah. I would assume it would be whoever the in ring DJ was. It's funny because I the draft was in Sydney in two thousand eight, and I think Kyle Moore, who 
actually preceded me as play-by-play man was the Eagles DJ before he was play-by-play guy. And I don't know if he was the DJ at that time and if he did the if he did the work when they hosted the draft. So I'm not really sure. I'm not related to this. I want to shout out the best music tie-in I saw in the queue this year. I'll shout out John Seitman in Halifax for the fact that One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head is the Moosehead's post-loss song, and that's <laughs> outstanding. Yeah, yeah, and, and to shout out the other way for the mistake was the Wildcats DJ, whoever it was, uh, it wasn't Tyler, um, playing the Moosehead's intro at Wildcats game. You just don't oh. do that. You just don't do that. It was like the second period. Money when they City come Mania. Out, yeah, when they come on the second. Oh. And he did it twice. That, it wasn't even the t- one time. He did it twice. That is a clutch song, though. I love the Moosehead's entrance. And shout out to the Wildcats yeah. as well. I don't know if they did it every time, but I do love the long-standing tradition. I mean, well, I don't like it in the sense that it means I'm calling a loss, but the playing of Farewell to Nova Scotia every time they beat either the Wild, either the yeah. Moosehead's or the Eagles, that's very clever. Good, good attention yeah. to detail there. Yeah, we did yeah, that for, uh, a couple that. times this year. Um, uh, one question about a couple about the draft before we let you get out of here. A, do you know when the draft starts on Tuesday? Rounds two through 17. Do you have that information yet? That I am not sure. I'll be honest. Once, once the off season comes, uh, I'm on call in the sense that <laughs> if I get contacted to do something, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to serve and ready to jump yeah. in, but it, it's kind of at a sight out of mind. Uh, so yeah, I'm not, not sure to be honest. Uh, I did interesting though. I received some Intel recently that it sounds like the draft's going back to in person. Then when it does go back to in person, it's going to remain a two day event. Well, so, I've I've yeah. said it a couple times, and I've said it to Jeremy. They need to do what the NFL did at Radio City Music Hall, where it's uh, a, a theater, and you send a table and a couple representatives, and you make the call, and they have the picks, and you and you have the first thirty players for the first round and into the second round. And night one is that, and you make the call. You're not sending a whole team down; you're just sending a couple representatives in the table. That's the way they should do it instead of trying to send everybody because of the the financial. Uh, cost to send a whole team unit down right well i mean as long as radio and communication people are sent to the draft 100 they have to be 100 that's the most important and thing. unofficial I podcast too well, sure there <laughs> there is a surreal satisfaction to going to the draft in that from my point of view you see people you have one-on-one relationships with and you never comprehend them being in the same room so yeah here's charlottetown's comm coordinator who i talk to all the time but here's Moncton. like oh they know each other like you know that in your head but you don't think of all these people talking to each other so that's uh, definitely where i miss the draft i use communication coordinators because it's not uh, play-by-play announcers are not really required to be at the draft i'm the only one in the league that's currently doing both they every now and then you'll see it but it's uh usually i'm uh, more socializing with comms people at the draft as opposed to play-by-play guys. Yeah, and I went to one, and I had the itch to keep going back. So they got to bring it back because, A, it was a lot of fun, and, B, at some point maybe we'll officially get to cover it. But other than that, you guys don't have a GM. Uh, How does that affect the draft moving forward? Uh, I mean, there's, what, two and a half weeks before this thing gets going. How do you put a vision together with uh, Coach Cassidy and, and whatever GM is going to be named? Very good question. Uh, John Hanna, the assistant GM, would be doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I was talking to Gerard Shaw about that the night of the lottery. You know, I'm sure you've seen reports about uh, the general manager online. I've seen the what? same ones that haven't been uh, told anything by the organization. So, again, 
they they call me to, to they they call me to tell me to write a press release that someone's coming <laughs> and it'll be out there. But you know, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming that's uh, near being done with the draft coming. But you know, a lot of the drafting would come down to the scouts as well. Yeah. And I'm sure we talk about if there was future considerations on the trades. You know, generally, from what I know, general managers are tied to previously agreed deals. So if someone the new GM comes in, he has to honor whatever trades may have already been made. And actually, For Jack sure. Carrier told me the trades have been made, so yeah. we know that. So <laughs> whoever comes in to replace him has to do that. So I would say right now it's probably more just following on John Hanna, as you said, Chad Cassidy, as well as uh, the scouts. The scouts are going to be the ones doing the heavy lifting when it comes to drafting anyway. The new GM would, I'm sure, have input, depending on how knowledgeable he was of the prospects. But, yeah, I guess uh, probably a lot of com- uh, communication with Gerard Shaw, too, in terms of the overall direction. But when you're you know, a team that is primarily young and last place, you, it's pretty obvious, I think, of, of, of what direction you want to go. And so, uh, yeah, it's challenging, I would say, not having the GM. But you know, hopefully everything gets officially tidied up and wrapped up soon and we can uh, get the foot on the gas going for next season. Yeah, uh, the officially unofficial name that's... Uh arrived online but imagine new gm gets in nope just kidding that trying home trade doesn't count here's your picks back we get our player back for for two more years but uh man thanks for doing this and we really appreciate uh getting the insight on not only your guys' season but um more so just the upcoming draft having that first overall pick something that i don't think moncton's ever had so right steve bernier am i correct yeah. jeremy am i steve, right on that one steve bernier yeah that's uh because gormley was Gormley was number one as well. Yeah, and I, was I couldn't remember Sydney. if Bernier was one yeah, or two. Yeah, so Bernier yeah. and Gormley, and hopefully next year. <laughs> I actually, a casual friend of mine who actually hates the Moncton Wildcats, he's an Eagles fan, made a point to get his picture with Brandon Gormley that day because he was the number one pick. So there you go. There you go. That's there one, you one of my memories from the 2008 draft. So. All right, Pat. Well, we'll definitely try to have you on uh, again during the summer and after the draft and uh, talk about how your your weekend uh, weekend was. Well, weekday good. was thanks guys and again aspiring australian football players <laughs> send me a message that's i always appreciate it guys and i look forward to the draft thanks again yeah, yeah. have a good night thanks pat See you. all right so did you finally uh figure out a name for hamel labelle and yes the law firm of labelle hamel yes. and so uh the law firm will be completed with the acquisition of zachary gravel <laughs> From the Quebec Ramparts. <laughs> so the law firm of Hamel, LaBelle, and Gravel. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I, I like that. That's not tampering. We don't think that's going to happen. No, absolutely not. No, we're just picking random. Uh, yeah. random. He could have been talking about Lexi Gravel. We don't know which Gravel he was talking about, but other than you said Ramparts. But other than that, um, do you think there's a scenario that I brought up where Cape Breton maybe moves back to four or five uh, just to get two of the I'm top not, five players? Hey, look. They've got to be in a position to get one of the top three guys. And that wouldn't do it. And Unless one slave. If they're going to fall back, they can't go further than third. They need to have at least third, the third overall pick. Because the top three are going to be either, this is no order, Yeah. Gabriel Dagg, the goalie, Thomas Lavoie, the defenseman, or Justin Poirier, the forward. So, I keep thinking Justin Poirier is the defenseman. Because yeah. his brother is obviously right. Yeah. So do you want a franchise goalie? Do you want a complete all-around defenseman, or do you want a prolific goal scorer? Like that's that's what is in the hands of Cape Breton right now. Like and which and they like he said they need all three, but which I would go the defenseman honestly because you I, can I, build I'd go, around a defenseman. You have decent goaltenders. You mm-hmm. can build around an all-around 
shutdown type defenseman. So mm-hmm. for me, it would be the defenseman. I have to go forward. Like it's it's as for okay. I'm not the goalie. I don't want the goalie because I don't want to be facing him as a Wildcats fan for four years. Nailed it. Right. Yep. The defenseman. So he's basically William Villeneuve, but a be- little better. Yeah. And for being a highly touted defenseman, William Villeneuve didn't get tr- drafted in the NHL. He was signed by Toronto, but yeah. But Justin Poirier is a prolific goal scorer who's fast, skilled, uh, shoots the puck. You know, everything is, for me, it's Justin Poirier. And if I'm St. John, sorry, if I'm Cape Breton, if I am tra- if I trade that pick, I don't go as far. Third's the furthest yeah, yeah, yeah. I go. Yeah. I don't go any further than that. I just, I just, that's why I asked because I feel like if you're going to move that one. Shikutami. Yeah. So Shakutami has, has multiple first round picks. Yeah. So that's going to give you, if, if they if, want the goalie. Yeah. If, if that's, if Shakutami moves to, and you move down to three and they give you another two first rounders, that's four first rounders Cape Breton would have, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not probably not getting, probably getting at least two to move into that number one spot, mm-hmm. at least, I would think. Shakutami wants the goalie. They yeah. need goaltending. And, so if I'm if I'm Cape Breton, I trade first for third, and Shakutami gets a goaltender. Victoriaville gets the defenseman. Or Cape Breton gets the forward, or vice versa, right? Yeah, like you can't lose when you're taking one of those players. And you know, if you've got if you grab the defenseman and he gr- and he grows with Perron and Squires and mm-hmm. you know, like Connor Shortall, like that's a pretty good crew that they're building in front of either uh, Delafonte or Ruccio. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think it's the goaltender. I, I personally don't think it's the goaltender. And then they move one of those other two out at the draft to acquire a first round or a second round pick on that day. I, I truly don't. I think it's. I think it's probably the defenseman. If it was me, I guess we'll have to see, folks, when we do our mock draft. Absolutely, our pick by pick mock draft. And by we, I mean he'll do one. You, you can you can jump in on this one. I, can, yeah. I, I liked how we did it the other the other year. One where, one, one 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 one. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I like that one. We could do that. I, I got some time to do some studying. All right. Perfect. Well, I mean that's pre-draft show number one. We got one more pre-draft show next week with uh, a couple other guests, maybe closer to Moncton style guests, and uh, then we're gonna take two weeks off as I'm going uh, on a trip, and uh, then we're back for the draft, just yes. like that, eh? On a always exciting Monday, Monday evening, night. yeah, virtually from the Wildcast Studios. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't want it. I wouldn't want it any any other way. I wouldn't want to be in a rink right now watching Actually, you know what players. We is on a Monday night, even though we're not having a pick. It's like we should just do it in the backyard here at the studios. Hook the TV yeah. up and invite the fan listeners and go live if we have to. Go live if we have to. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Uh, yeah. Either way, it's a perfect Monday evening for a draft, and then followed by a Tuesday, somewhat midday. This I'm is ho- fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You Bring could. back in person drafts. Bring them back. At least if. The only good thing is it's not in person on a Monday and on a Tuesday. Oh, my God, no. That's that. Friday That's it. night and Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So this is your final your final one. And then in person next year at the Avenir Center. The It's getting it's getting all the events, so you might as well just uh, have a draft here. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Then we're going to take a couple weeks off, and then it's a draft, just like that. Hamel LaBelle Grill. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.